0: Uh, we're looking at a message called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray, Part 3. And, you know, if I were to title this a different title, I would. it's interesting what Frankie was sharing. I would title it, um, what would I title it? Um, God is in the waiting. And it's interesting how Frankie almost like <laughs> gave the intro to a message that would be called, God is in the waiting. And I'm so glad that, that Frankie shared this morning because I think it's a really high morning like God did. God enlarged our borders this week. Like the church literally went out this week. We stretched out this week. But I, I think that, Frankie, it was, it was the Lord that you shared and you came and you're still weak this morning because it's the full spectrum of what it, God is doing, right? There's the lows here and there's the highs here and God wants to meet all of us. So let's look at this. We've already looked at verses 1 to 4 in a a separate message, and we've actually gone over that twice. But let's pull it up just to read to our text. Verse 5 is where we'll start this morning. Luke 11, verse 1. It came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples to pray. So we've said... The the disciple recognized, and Luke recognizes, that everything was flowing out of Jesus' prayer life. That's what uh, this disciple saw. It's what Luke is showing us. It's what we need to learn, that everything good in our families, our personal life, our business, our marriage, our church, God wants it to flow out of prayer. We can come up with our own ideas and ask God to bless it, Or in prayer, we can discover the Lord's heart and walk in his blessing. And we read in verse 2, so he said to them this familiar prayer um, called the Lord's Prayer. That's how most of the world knows it. When you pray, say, and and this is the one thing we're going to focus on again. He doesn't say, pray my Father in heaven. It's very interesting that this is a prayer all about community. We're saved into community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is community, and we're saved into community. God wants us to not live a life alone, but he wants us to learn to be in community and pray with each other and pray for one another. And when we're not experiencing prayer with each other and for one another, we're missing out on on the prayer. We're missing out on Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the way he wants us to experience him. So when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. Get your eyes off of everything. Get your eyes on God. Hallowed, holy be your name. Your kingdom come. We pray this morning, Lord, that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this morning, Lord, that you give us day by day our daily bread for everyone here who has needs. Lord, would you just meet our needs and Lord, we, we pray that you'd teach us as a congregation to pray daily, that not a day would go by that we're not turning our, heart, our hearts to you. And forgive us. Notice it's, our, it's, it's not give me my daily bread. It, all the way through, it's community. Forgive, it's not forgive me my sins. Forgive us our sins. And, Lord, we pray that. Would you forgive us just any sin that you'd convict us of today? May we be quick to confess it to you, Lord. And anyone, Lord, that we need to forgive, would you help us to forgive them, Lord, that this would be the end of us carrying that bitterness and unforgiveness. And Lord, would you just keep this church family from temptation and deliver us from the evil one? So we, we learned this before we went into the week of Humble, this, uh, this community that God has for us. And God showed us this picture of the flame where all these little flames God has done a work in us. God has started a fire. We're we're alive. The Spirit has ignited regeneration. You've been born again, and a light begins to shine in the darkness. If you've not been born again, there's no light shining. You're You're not actually in the darkness. The Bible says you are the darkness. You're actually spreading darkness, or you're the light. But then the Lord showed us the picture of um, how all of us, are little lights, uh, normally all spread out at our, our, our middle school we work out, or our high school, or our job, or HP, or our company, or wherever we are in our homes, or stay-at-home moms, or whatever we are, we're all these little lights. But this last week, God brought us all together, and there was a, there was a very large fire that burned here all week. It was glorious. I think it could be seen by, from space. I think God was aware that there was, a, there, there was a, a flame that he was fanning here. And there was a word given that our lives, and we can bring it up, it was so strong leading to humble. Our lives are going to be mingled and unified this week. And Boy, did God do that. We mingled, our flames mingled, our lives, our fodder mingled. There was another word that uh, God was taking our temperature. And we can bring that up, that that God was asking us, are we willing for him to take our temperature? Some aren't willing for, for the Lord to reveal what your temperature is. God wants to raise our temperature. And the word was that God wants to press his, like we're holding that thermometer in our hands. He wants to press himself on our hands, press himself on us so that that temperature would go up. And that's what God did this week. He's causing our temperature to rise, our warmth to rise as a church. What kind of church do people come into when they come for the very first time? That depends on you. Are we going to be a warm church? Is is this a warm place to come? What kind of uh, fire is burning here? What kind of passion is burning here for God? God wants our temperature to go up in there. Even this morning, uh, there was a word given that those little clicks are holiness. God wants to keep bringing us up cliques of holiness to bring us to where he can use us, where we're set apart for him. And, um, you know, as we went through this week, just a few of the, the favorite pictures, the morning prayer. Maybe you saw this already. Oh, my goodness. Look what God did this week. Our prayer chapel holds 120. This is what the mornings look like. The 150 in the prayer chapel. Again, uh, largely college students, young uh, people, all over the floor, uh, older generation sitting in chairs around the perimeter. Too hard for us to sit on the floor anymore. But, oh, what God did, just one of my favorite things. And look at uh, real life over at uh, the big LaSalle Stewart Center. Our church went over to push in the spirit. And my voice was too weak to go that night, so I, I just, I killed me to stay at home, but I watched... Uh, online and and the next uh, little video, this is a video, probably one of the highlights for me. In order for a week like this to happen, you have to have leaders. and and uh, hundred and thirty leaders were coming all week long at six to seven crying out to God. Every night God led us, he's never led us this way before, every night to lift our hands like Moses, Aaron, and Hur in Exodus 17, that our dependency was on God for you, for the flock. That the battles would be won in your life like in Exodus 17. And every night God led us to lift our hands and ask God to touch our hands that we could lay our hands on you. Can we play that video? just applaud the willingness of all the leaders at this church you know when people come and have a bad experience in a circle they don't come back ever <laughs> you know when people come and God meets them they come back it's the same as house churches where there's a house church where people go you think house churches are wonderful no not if people have a bad experience but you know I maybe even a digression for a minute you know I House church is people. <laughs> so you can all get together and walk on eggshells and have the perfect house church, or you can be people, real people, not so pretty people uh, sometimes, difficult people. And God, God's in that too. And, um, and then one more picture just to let you feel the week. Oh, my goodness. That's what a 500-person prayer meeting looks like. That's a 28 years of Saturday night prayer. So that brings us to Luke 11:5. 5, a little bit of recap. We were soaking in this verse that we're going to read now all week, and we're teaching it this morning. So he said to them, after teaching him the Lord's Prayer, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he's his friend, yet because of his... This is a key phrase that God has for us this morning and this whole week and for the rest of our lives. Because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And so picture everyone. Could, Jesus, the masterful teacher, teaching with stories that everybody could picture their home and the kids in bed. And, yep, he, he's not getting up. yet. Yeah, you're right, though. If he persists, he will get up. And then Jesus went on to teach about persistence, Luke eleven nine. 9. So I say to you, ask, or in the Greek language, the rest of your life, keep asking. What happens if you keep asking? You say it. It will be given to you. Seek and you, you answer it. And what will happen? You'll find knock. You get, but it's keep asking, keep seeking. It's persisting. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. So why do we need to persist in prayer? Why do I need to, I mean, what, what is up with this? Does he, doesn't God know my heart? Does he, why do I need to persist? Does, like, does God want me to grovel? Is that what it is? Is that God's just a God who wants me to grovel at his feet, and when I've groveled long enough, then he'll answer? Why do we need to persist in prayer? And I, I would just say what Frankie said. God is in the waiting. That's why we need to persist in prayer. God is in the waiting. Sanctification. You know, a lot of the times we don't want to wait, but God is in the waiting. He's setting, sanctification just means by the Spirit of God, He's setting us apart. He's sanctifying us. He's making our lives holy. He's perfecting us as we wait, He's changing us as we wait. And not only is he changing us, he's changing what we ask for. A lot of times you start praying for something and you, to be really honest, the way we pray, we want our will on earth to be done in heaven. That's how we come. I want. I can see. I want it. And and you should be created in my image to want what I want. And that's how we start. We A lot of times we start asking for a lighter load and we finish... God giving us a stronger back. Right? God changes us. He changes even what we ask for. God is in the waiting. We don't like to hear it. It's true, though. And, you know, sometimes in the waiting, it's an issue of spiritual warfare. We saw that uh, in the book of Daniel a couple weeks ago when we talked about Daniel fasting for 21 days. And we see in that story that, From the first minute that Daniel started to pray, things started happening in the spiritual realm. The angel Gabriel was commissioned from the first prayer, but Daniel couldn't see it. There was spiritual warfare going on. And I think one thing we know about our enemy is he's a stubborn foe, and he doesn't want to yield but he must yield. When we come in the victory of the cross and the death and resurrection of Jesus, when we know what we believe, when we stand in that victory, when we pray the blood of Jesus for someone or over something, the enemy knows he must yield, but he's stubborn. He doesn't want to. And often it's as we persist in prayer Things start happening, and, and what we need to know about this is we, it's during that period of 21 days, Daniel saw nothing, got nothing, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, prayer doesn't work, God doesn't hear me, why doesn't he hear me, doesn't he care, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening for 21 days, but something was happening the whole time. And 21 days later, Michael gave Gabriel the victory over the Prince of Persia, and and Gabriel came, and, oh, Daniel, you're greatly beloved. God loves you. First thing he wants you to know. And so a lot of times when we're in the waiting, it, it can be a spiritual warfare that we need to be aware of. A lot of times it's a timing issue that sometimes the answer is no. Oh, Lord, please let her be my wife. And the Lord's just like, no, she's someone else's wife. Oh Lord, please let her be my wife. No, the answer is no. She's not for you, or whatever you're asking for, right? Sometimes the answer is no. Oh Lord, that job would be perfect if you just give me that job. That'd be a guy was here um, this week that I grew up in the church, and he went through this five year period of you know graduating from college and this all dead and dead and dead and couldn't find his way, and it was about a five year waiting. Until he landed the dream job and the dream wife was there too. And now he's just like, just radiant. You know, he wouldn't change it for a thing. The five, God was in the waiting. Sometimes the answer is no as we wait. And we just have to discern that, that the goes are as important as the no's. But sometimes what's going on is the answer is not yet. And listen to what Jesus said. We'll pull it up. Right? Not yet. I came here when I was 29 years old. I wanted this to happen at 29. I was like, come on, God, let's get going. There's a city, there's a college to reach. Let's go. You know what? That wasn't God's plan. God's plan that we would be in a senior center and we would wait and we'd be in schools and we'd wait and we'd wait and we'd wait. And and he'd test us if we were going to make it happen in our own strength or if we were going to wait for God to work. Why, right? A lot of times it's a timing issue. It's a, a not yet. This verse is my whole life. I'm always ready now. Let's do it now, Lord. Now. Now. I'm ready now. Let's move now. I'm praying for it now. And, and most of the time the Lord's just like, not yet. And that's why you persist. You ask and you ask and you ask and you ask and you ask. I have a saying that says that God is slow to move, but when he moves, he moves Quickly. So you're no, no, no. Now move. Now. This is the timing and and when you're persisting in prayer, you'll be able to be in step with the Lord. You know, we see that as we wait, there's outpouring connected to it. We see this in 1 Kings 18. Uh, and by the way these notes are all the notes are always on our uh, website and app you just go to the messages you can have all these references even the things that aren't coming up on the overheads are there the verses but in 1 Kings 18 uh, Elijah he went up to Mount Carmel which is our first day in Israel every day we go to the exact spot it's it's overwhelming to be in the exact spot on Mount Carmel and Elijah prayed for rain after a three-year drought, three-and-a-half-year drought, and it says he got on the ground, and he put his face between his knees, and he's just humbling himself. That's a posture of humility. You're on the ground, your face is between your knees, and he prayed for rain, and he said to his servant, go up a little bit higher because on Mount Carmel you can look out and see the Mediterranean. And he said to his servant, do you see anything yet? And his servant goes, no. And so he prayed again, put his head between his knees, prayed, told his servant, do you see anything yet? He went up, no, nothing. And he did this three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times. So it's persisting in prayer and nothing was happening. Or so we feel. But something was happening and the seventh time. His servant said, I see a small little cloud out there. It's the size of a man's hand. And this little cloud grew into dark, thunderous storms, and this great downpour came, this great outpouring, and and the Bible says that it brought fruit to the earth. And so, you know, when we are, are persisting in prayer, God's in it. It's part of the outpouring that's coming. And there's another verse that talks about Persisting in prayer is connected to our joy being full. John sixteen twenty four. Our joy is full until you. Now you've asked nothing in my name. Jesus told his disciples, "We ask in Jesus' name." And, and again, the Greek language—you can't see it—but it's it's ask. Keep asking. This text could even be the, uh, Jesus saying, "Ask, please ask, keep asking, and you'll receive." that your joy may be full. Isn't that amazing how uh, we just think that the the best life is just getting everything we want right when we want it? But the older you get, you know, the things you work the hardest for, the things you wait the longest for, they bring the most joy. I was thinking of my son-in-law, Ben, who's married to my daughter, Jesse, who's here in the front row. And just that Susie and I have prayed, both of our son-in-laws, my daughter, Lauren, both of our son-in-laws, Susie and I prayed their whole lives for that spouse. And to see, you have to just see God do that. And now we have one more. We're praying for an eighth seat at our table for Josh, just so you know. <laughs> Josh isn't here today. He's working at Costco, so I'm just loving it that I can just talk about him. And, um, but one day we're going to have great joy as that eighth seat is filled at our table. But you know what? The things that you wait for, they bring so much joy when you're praying. And then we want to understand that the context here is the Holy Spirit as we're talking about God is in the waiting. This whole story is about waiting for things, but specifically, this is talking about the Holy Spirit. And boy, on Wednesday... There was, I, for me uh, this week, as I was persisting in prayer, Sunday, everything was very dry in my life as the fast started. Monday was very dry, even hard, even not good. Tuesday was just, the, the heavens were iron for me I, and, and fighting a sore voice. Wednesday, not much happened. And then I went for, a, the end of the day, I just thought, you know, I'm going to go for a prayer walk. And my prayer walk that I thought was a half hour turned into two and a half hours and, man, the downpour came. God just started speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me. And one of the things he brought up is a story I read before uh, the week of fasting on prayer. And it's a story I read. And you can bring up the picture of Lake Mead. And uh, everyone knows in Nevada, Lake Mead, the Hoover Dam is in real trouble. It's only at 27% in 2021. So our, our country, it's a, it's a very scary time if this lake goes dry, the drought, 27-year drought. And... Um, I read this article about how they had a week of deluge rains. And I was thinking just during the week of fasting and prayer, I thought, wow, we're in a week of deluge prayer, rain, you know, it's pouring here. And the article, and I only read it quickly, but God was bringing it back all week that the lake only went after a week of deluge rains. It only went from 27% full to 28% full. And you know, I think the message there is the real volume of living water, it doesn't come in just some short burst, a retreat you go to, a prayer week, not to discount that those can be life-altering, but where the real filling comes is when you learn to pray like Jesus taught you daily, And, and even the prayer meetings, if we could bring that up, and You know, you have prayer meetings here. We celebrated 28 years of Saturday night prayer. 28 years. Do you want your church to have a Saturday night prayer meeting for 38 years? Yeah, I hope those people that go there and pray just keep going. Could I just ask everyone that you don't go to Saturday Night Prayer, could this year, could you just come once a month? There is a fire raging here. God is fanning a flame. Could you just come one time a month this year? And you know, the daily prayer meetings on Zoom on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, you can get on those. Could those communities just swell? They're the boiler room of our church. What kind of church do you want to be part of? Oh, a loving church. Oh, a giving church. Oh, a wonderful church. We want house churches to thrive. We want our families to thrive. We want youth to be reached. Yeah, me too. What do you think? Better programs is the answer? More social media? What do you think the answer is? Church, pray. Let's pray that those those prayer meetings just swell. Because it's it's more than just a week of prayer and fasting. Another word that was just bubbling in my heart, like I couldn't stop it. And we can bring up the next slide. And I don't know why this year. They're both little stories that I read. This one might have been a week or 10 days before, and I just read this story of uh, 40,000 couples that um, psychologists studied over whatever period it was that they studied their lives. And they found all these different things, but they found this common denominator that those who had really good, successful marriages all had in common, they said, frequently, thank you to each other. You know, this this concept of being thankful is a huge theme of the Bible. That we're thankful to God. We're thankful for everything, for one another. And how powerful it is in a marriage, and I, I really believe this is a word for the marriages of our church, start genuinely saying thank you to your spouse as often as you can. Honey, that dinner, thank you for making that. Honey, you, you, you know what? The, the sheets are new tonight. I love when you do that. Thank you so much for putting clean sheets on our bed. I came home and the bathrooms were clean. Thank you for doing that. I, the living room is so clean. Thank you. You know you, what you made, that cake you made? Thank you for doing Just see if you can't a hundredfold say thank you. Instead of focused on the, honey, you left your toothbrush on the counter again. We put them in the drawer. Oh, I can't believe your underwear are on the floor again in the bathroom. Like, maybe you should be thankful that your husband's underwear aren't on somebody else's floor. <laughs> right? You know, instead of like, you know, your husband's, you know, trimming the bushes, like instead of not saying thank you for that when he gets done, you go, are you ever going to get to the back deck? You've been saying for two years you're going to stain it. Right? That just, just see if you can't just genuinely flood as a lifestyle your spouse with thank you. I think it'll change your marriage. And, you know, I think the word is so strong for us as a church because we've come out of this horrible, demonic season of COVID and hypercriticalness. Where the church began to peck on each other and pick and criticize and divide. And I pray that that is behind us. Let's in our families, let's in our church... Let's express thankfulness for one another as often as you can. Like there's just a line for the musicians, thank you. There's just like the sound guys, it's just like everyone walking by, thank you. Like the, the parents are like, whoa, this has never happened before. Like everyone's saying thank you to us for watching our kids while they got to hear the word today. Can you imagine what it's like for a children's worker that didn't get to hear the service and you go down and you're impatient and get mad at them? Let's see if we can't just start just being thankful to God and thankful for one another. Well, again, the context, oh, so much came to me. So much that week. I mean, I was praying about I have an opportunity to be at a pastor's conference uh, in, in um, Colorado, and the Lord knows my heart. I've been praying. I want to influence more and more pastors for prayer and fasting. Uh, All through the state, uh, churches are praying and fasting. One of our pastors that was praying and fasting in Burns with us, uh, he called me yesterday. He's going to India. He's doing pastor's conferences for 300 pastors each day, and he's calling them to fasting and prayer. And he just said, I felt like you were supposed to know uh, what's happening here. I'm going to take it to India. And I was just praying all week. I told Chad to pray for me. I don't know if I'm supposed to be at that pastor's conference or Shasta with the college kids, which Susie and I are always there. And all of a sudden, Wednesday, I was on that prayer walk. Rob, the fire is here. The revival is here with the college students. You need to be here. You need to fan that flame. And boy, God, I mean, just instantly, what I had been asking all week was there. And God gave me the whole theme for it. I, I submitted to Chad that I just let him know, hey, I'm yielded to you. This is what the Lord is, is speaking to me. And um, anyways, God also gave me this phrase for, that I gave to Chad. Just, it was just, you know, you pray and there's nothing. You pray and there's nothing. You pray and then there's outpouring, and there was just this outpouring that Chad and I were identifying that um, I have a new name for real life. Or maybe it's for Shasta. I don't know. It could be both. It's, it's a leadership factory. That's the spiritual name on real life. There's a leadership factory. Like it is just, produce, real life is just producing leaders and leaders and leaders. Every year at that Lake Shasta, the leader circle, the, the cabin leaders, young people are just, It's there's a Factory in God's kingdom, producing leaders there. It's just, anyways, floodgates just open on Wednesday for me. Well, let's keep reading about the context of asking and seeking and knocking. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, right? Any father, you could, any father here gonna give their three, five, seven-year-old here, son, here's some gravel. Go chew on that. No, you, no. And everyone listening to Jesus could picture what he's saying. Or if he asked for a, a fish, maybe in our day and age, a tuna fish sandwich, are you going to give him some harmful serpent? So it starts to grow. And you know, my father father's a good person. Father gives good nourishment. Father doesn't give anything that would hurt you. Father doesn't give anything dangerous. Father, Father feeds you. Father nourishes you. He wouldn't give you a serpent instead of a fish. If the the child asks for an egg, maybe picture a hard-boiled egg, because the scorpions in this day in Israel, when they curled up, they looked like a little egg. And everybody would have been been picturing this. If he asks you for an egg, well, is he going to give him one of those deadly scorpions that looks like an egg? Is that who your father is? Like, you're crying out. You want God to move in your life. and Is the father going to give you something that would hurt you? Is he going to let something hurtful happen to you? because this is in the i think it's very important that you hear this this is in the context of the holy spirit god is not going to let anything harmful or weird happen to you if you're crying out for the holy spirit to move in your life if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much how much this this sermon could also be called how much more we wanted to give it another tile. God is in the waiting, but it could also be called how much more. This is a how much more Sunday. How much more will your heavenly father, we talk about earthly fathers. If you being evil, you're fallen. You know how to give good gifts. This is about good gifts that your heavenly father, the gifts of the, whole, the spirit that he wants to give you. How much more will your heavenly father give All of this asking and seeking and knocking, it's ultimately God wants you to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep desiring a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And Luke, more than any other writer, shows us this connection between prayer and the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 1 and Acts one fourteen. if you know how the book of Acts starts, which Luke, we're in Luke's gospel, and the second half of Luke's gospel is the book of Acts. These all with one mind or one accord. See, whenever the church is unified, the Spirit can move. Right? But whenever these little rifts and currents and talk going on and division and carnality, then, then the Spirit's quenched. And here they were, unified with one mind, and look what, this is the type of church we want to be, continually devoting themselves to prayer. And then I, I want to see this too, along with the women. This is a message of Luke's. The women. That Totally unheard of in Jesus' day that he was followed by not only male disciples, but the women. Mary Magdalene. Joanna, Susanna, Luke chapter 8, many other women were providing for him as his followers from their own sustenance. Such a powerful message. In a day and age where women weren't valued and everywhere the gospel has gone, it's elevated women. And here they all were, all the apostles and all the women that followed Jesus, they were all in a prayer meeting, Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers, and that's when Pentecost happened. That's, it's from prayer that the Holy Spirit was changed out, that changed the world. And then you go a a couple chapters later, Acts 8, and when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, Samaria received the word of God. Persecution was going on in Jerusalem. None of us want persecution to come. None of us want hard things. God's in the hard things. God is always turning what the enemy means for evil for good. Persecuting the church, everyone's fleeing. God uses it. Philip flees. He goes to Samaria. He starts preaching the word of God. They received the word of God. The apostles hear this, that Samaria has received the word of God. They sent Peter and John, their apostles, sent Peter and John to them that they might Um, Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, sorry about that, verse 15, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he had fallen upon none of them. We're we're experiencing the Holy Spirit fall on us this week. We're going to be giving place to that this morning in a minute. I'll, I'll explain more. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's stop there for a minute. Um, These are believers. You can't get baptized if you're not a believer in Jesus. These are followers of Jesus, but... The apostles realized, hey, we've experienced Pentecost. We've experienced this outpouring, this power, this boldness to be a witness. To Witness even means martyr, to lay down our lives for the gospel. But they're getting saved in Samaria, but that same thing hasn't happened. They're saved. Let's send Peter and John down, two of the apostles that were there at Pentecost. Let's have them lay hands on them. And so they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This power like they had in Jerusalem came to Samaria. Now, one, one last thing I'd say about this is when you read the book of Acts, it's you, know, you go, wow, that's the, the big guys came. Peter and John, the you know, apostles came and laid hands on them. There's a really encouraging message in the apostle Paul's life. That God just tapped on a nobody. We don't know anything about him. Ananias, I want you to lay hands on Saul. He's going to change the world. He's going to write the majority of the New Testament. And we don't even know who Ananias is. He's just kind of a, a nobody that the Lord uses, maybe even purposefully to lay hands on Paul, that we would know it's not just the big apostles that lay hands on people and the Holy Spirit moves, but it's ordinary people. That as we lay hands on and pray for the way Peter and John did, that the power of the Holy Spirit will fall on people. So we're going to have, again, all of our elders and wives that are, are here and some of our deacons and uh, some of our uh, house church leaders, some of the leaders I've asked to come up already. They're going to come up again in a little bit. And I wrestled with the Lord with this. I said, Lord, we were, had them all up last week. People have been in circles of prayer all week. And and the Lord just kept saying, yeah, but I have more. I have more. There's more, much more. That we're to be a church that we keep asking. The rest of our lives, we keep asking for more, more of the Spirit. You might be a believer, but this power, and could you just be honest? Is there... Is there power in your life? Is your life making a saving impact on others? Like you look back at 2022, the people that got saved through your witness in your life. You look back at 2021, and 2020, all those people got saved. They got saved. I got to lead them to the cry, Christ. My life was—I I, was—you know—the Spirit moving in power. You see it. You see the wake behind the boat. Is there power to, to be a witness for Jesus? If not, you need that power. We can't reach our world without the power of the Holy Spirit. And you got to keep asking for it. And you know what? So much so, the rest of our life, we're going to be asking for even more. Lord, could you even give us more? Could you even work in a, a greater way? Could you even take the tick up another tick and another tick? Like, you're never going to arrive until you're in heaven and then then you arrive but until then there's always more that the holy spirit has for you and look at th- this verse the next one i think it applies to some of us ephesians 1:13 in him also after in, in him you also after listening to the message of truth the gospel of your salvation right these are people that get saved they hear the they listen they hear the message it's truth, the gospel, they, they get, it's your salvation. having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise who is given as a guarantee of our inheritance, He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? So holy, I'm asking in that sense, are you saved? Is the Holy Spirit in you, bearing witness with your spirit that you're saved and you know that it's the guarantee you're going to heaven? We're going to have our leaders up to pray, and some of you might be in this place, like God's been drawing you. You've opened the door, you felt like, oh yeah, God is good, but he, the Spirit hasn't yet saved you and sealed you. And you have to discern that. And you could come up this morning and have those leaders and you could just say, I want to be, I want to believe in a way that the Holy Spirit's in me. And could and you also pray for that power and, and gifts in my life? Look at this, this verse. One last verse before, the, before we go to, um, we're going to have a little bit more worship. 2 Timothy 1.5, For I am mindful, Paul says of Timothy, of the sincere faith within you, which was first, first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, And I'm sure that's in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, to kindle afresh, well, that's what's been happening a lot this week, to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you. This is interesting through the laying on of hands. We're going to have leadership lay hands on you and ask for gifts. Do you know what your gift is? Let's ask that you'll know and you can use it. Let's ask for more gifts. You think God just gives you one gift and then your whole life he's he's stingy with them? Like, nope, you just get one. You get one. What if he has two for you? What if three? I was an evangelist for years and years and years and never dreamed I'd ever teach. And then the Lord tapped on me to be a youth pastor and boom, like this new gift came Like, (laughs) so God would take like the the least likely zero student, no love for reading or studying, ever, and go, yeah, you're going to be a student the rest of your life, and you're going to teach the rest of your life. It's a gift. Maybe God has a gift for you, even in this season of life or age you're at. We're going to ask for gifts, the laying on of hands. We're going to even ask that the gifts that you do have, that the Holy Spirit will fan them. And why don't we have the worship team come back up. On, um, this is what happened last Sunday, and the man that this happened to gave me permission to share this. And we could just pull it up. On Sunday, Sunday, January 22nd, I went forward for prayer. Last Sunday. God revealed himself to me through the touch. One of the prayer leaders, actually the prayer leader was led to put his hand on this man's heart. You can go on. It was life-changing. I'll never be the same because of it. Thank you, Jesus, for waking me up and warming my heart. And he said the Lord spoke to him, if I follow you completely, you'll reveal yourself entirely. This week of prayer and fasting has been absolutely incredible. Love you, and I love Calvary Corvallis. So I was in a prayer circle with that man towards the end of the week, and um, I knew he had sent this to me. and And uh, Susie had this word for him. So this is so strange. When I, I just gonna speak it. When I see it, I see this this snowball like going down a hill, just just picking up momentum and mass. And and he just looked at her and said, "Did you say snowball?" So when this elder put his hand, when this leader put his hand on my chest, when I was standing there, God showed me a picture that I'm a snowman. I told no one. I'm I'm frozen. God's thawing me out that that life is gone. Let's, um, he said, lead us. We're just going to move into a time of crying out to the Lord, of waiting on the Lord. Of singing in unison, in community, asking for the Holy Spirit on us, our leaders, our youth, the older generation. Go ahead, Isa.